Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Bowling Green podcast, found exclusively on our Vineyard Bowling Green app. We hope you enjoy this week's message and look forward to seeing you this Sunday. So apologize, we had a couple technical connection issues this morning. I guess that's what we're working on right now. Um, and uh, let's see. We will get going. So, um, like Jasmine said, welcome to week one of Advent. I love this time of year. Who else loves this time of year? Everybody, right? You get to spend time with family. You get to spend time watching Christmas movies, all the music if you're into that, decorating. Yesterday, we got a train for for Leon, and he's already been suspended from it um, because we have a three-year-old. And so... um, we have uh, a train that goes around the tree, and um, it's just a great time of year. And we're excited that you're here with us this morning and those that are online watching this. As Jasmine mentioned the reef this morning, we do this as a symbol of connection, okay? And I think, I, I think of it as a symbol of an eternal connection because it is a circle. But it's a symbol of an eternal connection. And most churches right now around the world um, and throughout history have had Advent wreaths. And right now around the world... Um, there are plenty of churches that are that, that will have an Advent wreath this morning. And so it's a great way to connect us um, to the church history and to the church as a whole. And, and, and there's four candles, like Bobby mentioned, on the outside. And churches will light a new candle each week um, leading up to Christmas. And, and with each week, there's a theme. And each candle represents something with each week. So this week is hope. Next week will be peace. Then we have joy and love. And it's a great time. And we do this in our church, not only to symbolize an internal connection, but as a symbolic gesture to prepare our hearts and minds. Um, The word Advent itself comes from the Latin word eventus, meaning arrival. Okay. And we prepare for the arrival of Christ. And this wreath over here itself represents eternity and everlasting life a circle that never ends. And in the early centuries of the church, it became clear that the rhythms of time, days, weeks, years, and lifetimes could be used to help Christians remember and reclaim the saving events of eternal life, of the life of Jesus. And Jesus' birth and Jesus' death and resurrection were the two obvious themes that would shape the year. And in this repetition throughout the year, Christmas could begin to, Christians, I'm sorry, not Christians, Christians could begin to orient their lives around this, around this reclaiming and retelling of what God has done for us and through us and in us through Jesus Christ. So Advent is the official beginning of the worship year and is a season of hope, of expectation, and of waiting. And Christmas is our time for celebrating that God has revealed himself to us, Emmanuel, God is with us, and his loving heart to all of us. So in Advent, we remember the long-awaited arrival of the Messiah. We read so much about the Messiah coming in the Old Testament, and we share in the anticipation of God's kingdom coming to earth as it is in heaven. And at Christmas, this is a time to remember God's in-breaking into our story, into the human story, freeing us from sin and crushing the works of the evil one against us. Amen? And like a child who loves to tell, who who loves to have a story read over and over again, 
We reclaim the powerful saving events of Christmas by retelling them the story of God's love coming to earth. So we retell this story every year, and it doesn't get old to me. The story of God's love coming to earth. Emmanuel, God is with us. And this year, we have a theme to go along with Advent. And, and the theme this year is risk, okay? The theme this year is risk. And the purpose of this Advent is to connect with God. And we want, you, we, we want to invite you into taking fresh risks with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're inviting you into this season, in this season of Advent. Fresh risks with the Holy Spirit, using examples of true godly risk takers in the Christmas story. Because risks, they are like dreams, okay? You have to believe in something in order to push yourself. And in the message from last week, we talked about what faith means. We kind of broke down what faith means. And we, have, we, ha, we, may, we may say that we have faith or that we want more faith. And of course, that's everybody, right? We all do. But it's not until the moment we have to put that faith on the line with real actions of trust, with real actions of belief, and God's willingness to come through that's when we see the kind of faith that actually will grow our soul. When we put something on the line and we say, God, we're expecting you to come through. We're trusting that you're going to come through. And the people we read about in the Christmas story had to put their faith into action. They absolutely had to put their faith into action. When God said his yes to the path in which Jesus would come to earth, he knew the future it would bring about. He knew the future it would bring about. And fulfilling his plan through willing yet normal, scared human beings, young human beings, seems to be the way that God wanted to do things. And God likes doing things that way, as we see in the Bible story. And the purpose of this message today is to help you connect with the overarching story of risk that flows through the scriptures Imagine just for a minute the entire Christmas story. Imagine yourself in it just for a minute. The entire Christmas example as a great risk for everyone involved. Imagine those being family members. Imagine those being peers. Imagine the great risk. You know, would you be supportive or would you be like, I don't know about that. It's a great risk. A lot of people had to say yes and had to choose love over fear, had to choose obedience over fear. Mary risked her life and reputation to see God's will be done. She, lived her li she risked her life and reputation to see God's will be done. Joseph risked the exact same, and he needed a dream to help him take his step of obedience. Obviously, Jesus risked everything as we can see that the gospel allows us to follow him in a life of faith, hope, and love, all in action. That's what we get to see in the Gospels is faith, hope, and love come to action, come to life. And these lifestyles, these are a great commitment to risk. And that's what we get to see and read in the Christmas story. So this morning, if we're good to go, um, we're going to read in Matthew 121. And we're going to hang around this scripture for a minute. And we're going to kind of come back to it some. And, and, and uh, it's pretty short, but we're going to kind of break this down a little bit this morning. Matthew one twenty one says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give his name, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I'm going to read it again one more time. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So a few quick points this morning to think about. Here we read, 
And let's break this scripture down a little bit. And we're going to start with the first part that says, she will give birth to a son. She will give birth to a son. Here we're going to talk about the will of God, the call of God. Okay, God's will. That's what we are committed to as believers. That's also what attracts many people to living a life of godliness, holiness, being connected to God, having a relationship with the Lord. We want to be connected to do his will for our life. All of the things that draw us near to God, his love, his grace, his power, his compassion, those are all connected to the will of God as well. The will of God is for us to draw near to him and become more like him, and that is God's will. But there are many times when all of us become very willful, especially in a moment where we become very willful. And, and, and it can at times be hard to discern, but, but our will be done and my will be done, I'm hopefully not the only one that's been there, is ultimately not the request in which God honors our desires. My will be done, Lord. My will be done. Nor does it play a part in his bigger, more mysterious plans. So, so we read, she will give birth to a son, and that sets his will right there in motion. And with today being the first week of Advent, we can also find a connection of God's will and hope. God wants us to discover his will, his plan, and specific things he wants us to do. And not just for him, but it's usually tied to what we have passion for, what we have a love for. We've all been given the gift of life, and the gift of opportunity is presented to us each and every day. We have opportunities each day for worship, for prayer, for community, for connection, for creativity, for, inspira for inspiration, for working hard. That's a big one for sharing. And our participation each day includes us saying yes to the moments and the opportunities we have each day to step into the will of the Father. Every day is an opportunity. We just have to be present. We have to engage into the will of the Father. And I want to read a few scriptures that remind me to reflect on God's will for my life. We're going to kind of go through these in a row. And Alyssa, you should have those. Matthew twelve fifty. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. First John two seventeen. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we have those two scriptures reminding us that it's important. But why and how? Why and how, to me, is almost more important in the context of the will of God. So 1 John 3, 1 through 3, let's read these. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So as amazing as it sounds, what we see is that God's will is for us to become like him, to become his children, and to be made pure, to be made whole. And in Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13, it says this. 
And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. You see, the Bible we have here is a gift to help us know and understand his will so we can become transformed to become like him. God's will is for us to become like him. But what happens when God's will conflicts with your will? What happens when God's will conflicts with your desires or with your opinions or with your ideas? First off, that's very normal. That's absolutely normal. In our relationship with God and our calling here on earth, um, it will sometimes conflict or seem at the time to conflict with what we absolutely think is best for ourselves or what we think is best for the church, for the kingdom of God, for our ministry, whatever it is, for our family. And this was absolutely normal. And we see this for, you know, Jesus, he comes to earth and he shows us one, one of the more familiar examples of what it means to yield to God's will. Okay, we're going we're gonna to real quick go over a, a scripture and a conversation that Jesus had with God the Father whenever he said, nope, I don't want to do that. But he yields, he stops, and he allows God's will to take over when he says, Father, if it is your will, take the cup of suffering away from me. Jesus is about to be crucified, and he says, if it is your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Such a powerful statement from Jesus. Not my will, but yours be done. In a moment of desperation, in a moment of fear, in a moment of anxiety, in a moment of having the all-powerful God who could change and shift the formula, right? Not my will, but yours. Super powerful. So what do we do when we discover that God's will is different than ours? Do we first off know how to tell the difference between God's will and ours? That's number one. That's absolutely number one because it's very easy to create a pattern into thinking that all of our ideas, all of our desires, all of our wants, all of our dreams, they are God's as well and God's favorite opinion on the matter as well. It's real easy to do that. But here we see the will of Christ, the mind of Christ was to yield his way to the fathers. That's why I constantly pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm reminding myself, I'm praying to the Lord, I'm giving myself to the Lord, Lord, help me discern what is mine and yours. Of course, some aspects of life are not so much questions of right or wrong as they are questions of wisdom and making the best choice. It's not necessarily, Lord, I need great wisdom. I need God's will to know whether to sin or not. We, we're pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty easy sometimes to figure out, right? It's, it's usually not questions of right or wrong as they are questions of wisdom and making the best choices. Sometimes more than one choice can be made within God's will, but decisions like what career should I choose? Pretty basic, right? What job should you pursue? Who should you marry? Where should you live? Bowling Green, Kentucky, amen. God gives us the principles that can help us make good choices in dealing with these types of questions, okay? We have to discern God's will for our lives. What is God's will for you? 
with your unique roles, with your unique talents, with, your, with, with what excites you, with your background? How can you discover how God wants to use you to serve and to use your gifts right now? Don't just think 15 years down the road, five years down the road when everything gets worked out, right? Think right now. How can we be present right now in our gifts, in our role? How can we serve people? How can you figure out what your role is in life right now? Because until you really try to tackle it and become more like Christ and, and, and find out what you're really called to be in the moment, it's really going to be hard to move to the next step. It's going to be really hard. Be excellent with where you're at right now. It's more than just finding out what you like to do, though, and where you best fit in. That's certainly part of it, but we have to, we, but we have to know the seasons we are currently in. And how are we using the seasons we are currently in to grow? Sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable, and the season of life you're in may not be as great as other ones have been. But where are you at? Where are you growing? Where are you challenging yourself? How are you getting through it? Are you being passive or are you being aggressive? And you're saying, Lord, thy kingdom come. Your will be done in my life right now in this season that I'm in. We each currently have roles and we have responsibilities. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. For example, you know, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm employed at the fire department. I'm a pastor. And the Bible has much to say about each of these roles. The Bible has much to say about every single part of my life and each of my responsibilities. And by drawing near to Christ, by studying what God is saying about these responsibilities, we can put them into the right priority and take the steps, the proper steps to fulfill God's will in each area of my life. We can absolutely say, you know what, Lord, I want your will in my job. I want your will in my, my relationships. I want your, your will in my marriage. I want your will... Um, as a father, as a parent, and all of this is connected. All of this is connected to the Advent week one of hope. God's will is absolutely connected to hope. When we look at the will of God for our lives, we step into the realm of hope. When we look at God's will and God's desires and God's plans for our lives, we step into the realm of hope. God's desires for our lives also lives in the future, but it also lives right now in the realm of hope. And last we talked about, last week we talked about hope, and we read that hope is the anticipation of fulfillment. And we became very um, familiar with hope. And once we become very familiar with hope, we see that hope is absolutely risky. Hope is absolutely risky. And it does involve real dependence on God's will. Hope is very dependent on God's will. How you engage and participate with hope in your circumstances and things that are around you and going on, it is absolutely dependent on God's will. There are times that I've put my faith and my hope in something and it did not go my way. It absolutely didn't go my way and I'm like, Lord, is this you, is this me? What's the answer here? I've sat with people while they've cried because they've had dreams and desires ripped from them. Hope is absolutely dependent on God's will. Absolutely. Especially when things get tough. And we have to remind ourselves whatever season we're in, you know, that it's not about blaming God for this and 
you know, well, I must have not been in God's will because it didn't go well. It's nothing like that. That's not what we're getting to. But where we are currently at, no matter what circumstance we are standing in and sitting in, alone or together with the family member, it doesn't matter that in the moment we can find God's will in our participation for whatever season we're in. It's not about blaming. It's about saying, Lord, right now, what am I supposed to do? What is your will right now? So let's go back to the scripture, Matthew 1.21. Let's go back to that. It says, she will give birth to a son. And then it says, and you are to name him, Je- you are to give him the name Jesus. So God's will starts the Christmas story. It starts the story of Christmas. God's will does. And the thing is, is, is we have freedom, right? And we have the freedom to draw and, and to draw near to the Lord, and, and we have the desire to draw into God's will, but we also have the freedom to step away from God's will, okay? And God knows this, so God brings in other people and other ways to show us the will of God, to show us the will of God, and to help us along in different seasons in our life. And here we see that God's will starts a Christmas story, she will give birth But then the scripture follows up with, and you are to give him the name Jesus. So God, knowing that things could go sideways, possibly for Mary and Joseph, invites two people to engage their sense of risk by giving them a prophetic name for their son. By giving them a prophetic name for their son. And then immediately after that, relays the purpose, right? She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Because he will save his people from their sins. In this moment, the father projects the wider goal that God's will accomplished for their people. In this moment, the Father projects the wider goal that God's will, what what it will accomplish for God's people. And sometimes I think we need a bigger story to help us take that leap of faith. I think we need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves sometimes to take that great leap of faith. The hope for the world. Emmanuel, God is with us. And today, one of the greatest ways for God to be with us is by you and I responding to the will of God for our lives and taking the risk to see it fulfilled. Taking that risk to see it fulfilled. So I want to end with a real practical exercise this morning for y'all to take home. Or if you're at home watching this now or watching this later online, I want us to do a real practical exercise this week. And I'm gonna hold you guys to it the best I can. Um, it's homework, so you're not being graded on it. But when I get to heaven and you get to heaven, we'll ask Jesus if you did it or not. So the Bible also talks about our individual talents and our spiritual gifts that God gives each of us. And God intends for us to, to use them to serve the church and, and to serve each other and to build the church up. And, to, and, and, and we see this in 1 Corinthians, but again, Though, how can we know each gift that has been given to us? That's the question. How do we know the gifts that have been given to us? And so after asking God for help to see them, we can ask ourselves, what have I done well and enjoyed doing? Right? We can ask ourselves the basic questions. What have I done well? 
What have I enjoyed doing? And the only reason I preface that was saying, like, after asking God for help, you know, oftentimes we, I've been there before. I've prayed that prayer a thousand times growing up and still today. Like, Lord, tell me what to do. Tell me what I'm good at. Help me. We've done that, right? A thousand times we've done that, especially if you've been a point in your life where you're kind of at a crossroads or you're looking ahead and you're, it's still a little foggy and not absolutely clear. Like, Lord, what do you want me to do? So I preface all that saying, we, after asking God for help, because that's usually our go-to, we then have to ask ourselves and reflect on ourselves and what our strengths are. What have I done well and enjoyed doing is a pretty basic question. What needs have I fulfilled for other people? Okay, how do, how do others describe me? And so all I want us to do this week is take some time this week to write down, write down where you're currently present, right? Write down what's currently around you, your job, your family, whatever it is, okay? And then write down what your responsibilities are in that environment, in that culture. You know, and that culture could be bad. That work environment could be terrible. What are your responsibilities? And I want you to write down your talents. I want you to write down your skills and ways you can serve in your responsibilities and serve more in your responsibilities. And we aren't looking to derail what you're doing. You know, the purpose of this is not to trick you into moving to China, become a missionary or anything like that. That's not the point of this exercise. The point is to give you value with where you're at to give you value with where you're at. The purpose is to say, God, I want your will for my life. Here is my life. These are my responsibilities. This is what I'm doing. This is who I am. Now use me to the fullest. Use me to the fullest. And when we write it down, it gives us another perspective of what we're doing. And I want us to go one, one more step further into thinking, all right, this is what I'm doing I'm seeing what I'm doing, and now I want us to look a little further into that perspective and see what you're not doing, and see what you should be doing, see what you could be doing more of, right? That's part of this exercise as well, as well. And then I want to take it one step further. Once you write it down, I want you to show someone else who knows you well, and I want you to discuss it, whether that's a spouse, a friend, a small group leader. I want, you to, I want you to take it further and show someone else who knows you well and discuss it. And this isn't any formula for success or anything like this. It's just to offer you a perspective and to value with where you're at now and to really apply yourself. And you can absolutely see something here. This perspective gives us a look at God, right? This is my life. This is where I am, God. May your will be done in this life. May your will be done in this life. And as you pray, God, look deeper into my responsibilities and look deeper in my life. You will be able to quickly see, and this is the good part about this, because you'll be able to quickly see that God is connected to you right now and that you have access to God's will for your life and your situation right now, that it's not just all, well, I'll just wait and the future's better than it is now. No, right now, you absolutely have an opportunity. You will be able to quickly see that God is connected to you right now and wants to take what you've been doing and make it something more. 
He wants to take where you're at, take what you've been doing, and make it something more. This is about taking what you have, giving more value to it, and giving it to God and saying, it's yours. I yield to your will. I yield to your will. And as you make this a practice and a priority, things in your life begin to change, right? Maybe not so much at first in the physical, but what actually changes your attitude, your perspective, your sense of significance will change. Your insecurities will feel a little bit less, right? You will be able to have this overflowing of God's love and identity that will bring you this, excuse me, will bring you this contagious hope with wherever you go.